Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. G'day and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show, where the podcast getting you over the game line with everything to do with Australian rugby. I've got Hugh in the saddle with me tonight. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good, Matt. I'm good. Let's get stuck in. Yeah, but we've got a very special guest. He's very kindly carved out a little bit of time for us here tonight. He's actually in the airport lounge um, as we're speaking. Um, it's uh, the coach of the Wallabies, Michael Checker. Checks. G'day, mate. How are you? I am very well. What about you, lads? All right? We're good, mate. We're, we're, we're very good. Um, look, thanks for the time. We'll, we'll crack straight into it. Now, I understand that you're, you're off to Japan tonight. What's, what's that all about? Um, well, I'm actually headed uh, Europe first for a couple of days. Uh, I've got a few things to attend to there and um, going to catch up with a couple of our players that are based over there. Mm-hmm. And um, then on the way back, headed back to Japan, um, we've got a, a couple of things on with the embassy and a, a few uh, more commercial orientated things that Rugby Australia wanted me to attend to. Not much about footy on this trip uh, to Japan. We've done pretty much all our prep work there around what's going to happen in the build-up, etc. We've been to the camp base before, so the footy stuff's all pretty much better away. It's really just a few bits and pieces around um, getting the finishing touches on some of the commercial stuff that they need and and um, ones at the embassy, I think, and ones with possibly a, a new sponsor, something like that. So the, the chats with the players, I mean, I don't know how hush-hush that is or anything, but is that what just like trying to negotiate for time for that they can get, you know, get time off or is it just checking up on how their mm. prep's going? What sort of stuff's that? No, mate, this one would be... It, it, We've had a bit of a build-up on this stuff, so I think the um, the main thing is that we would get, I would speak to these guys pretty much and fill them in about what happened with the, on the camp with mm-hmm. the other players. So they would have been in that camp situation and normally. So I figure there's an opportunity here along with a couple of other um, things I need to do over there to just spend a bit of time with them and uh, fill them in on what the the next steps are in our own sort of build-up because yeah. okay. they're, they're part of it, even though they're not here. Gotcha. And, mate, so how, with the prep, I mean, you know, you, you guys have done this before now. Um, how's it different from last time or, or, or is it really similar? Like, how have you guys, I mean, you've been through that process. What are you looking to do different this time? Um, <clears throat> mate, it is different. Um, I think... You've got different, um, obviously, I think everything for tournament play comes from who your opponents are in the pool, you know. I think that really sets out. If you look back at 15, we selected a squad based on if you had a look at the draw and who we had. We very much selected based on uh, pretty much two 15s. We knew in that first two games we could rotate everyone. Um, through the first two games and then have a bit of room to move afterwards. Thus, no third hooker, no third halfback, selections like that. And they came yeah. later on in the trip. You, you're always going to get, well, you know, not always going to get, there's a good chance you're going to get injuries somewhere along the way in a, in a tournament like this. So you've got to prepare accordingly. Now, our draw is significantly different this time. 
you look at it with Fiji and uh, Wales in the first two games. So the preparation is very different. Um, mm. And I'm a big believer <clears throat> that in tournament play, it's, you know, that old cliche of every game's a grand final. <clears throat> it's very, very true because yeah. not only are you building points, you're also building momentum and that carries you a long way in tournaments. Right. And so do you think this time round and the way that you guys have got the the prep kind of laying out, do you get more face time with the guys or, or less or how does it work out? It's different. I suppose the um, in the last World Cup, if you remember, I was still coaching the TARS. So yeah. I, I probably had a third of the squad that I was coaching all the time. Larkin was at the Brumbies, so he had a good portion of those guys as well. <clears throat> so it's different this year in the fact that we aren't have been in there coaching. Um, so we're getting different amounts of face time. But I think the coordination with the state teams has been, um, you know, as best as it's ever been in relation to how we're looking at it, how yeah. um, we're trying, what we're trying to do with loading weeks for players, giving them a chance to not just have a um, some time off footy, which we don't, you know, it's not the essential. It's more about getting the loading prep, that, you know, some of the prep they might need so they're peaking at the right time of year yeah. on key players and, and also the ability for us to go in there and compare what everyone's doing. So what are um, the different teams doing in defence compared to what we'll be doing in defence and really having that clearly set out. <clears throat> so when the guys come in, we can just get straight on to here's the things you might need to change so we can get as close as possible to having um, you know, game knowledge down pat as early as possible in the build-up to, first of all, the Rugby Championship and then, uh, mm. then the World Cup. Great. And, and uh, look, the, the conditioning has always been so key, I think, to your game, um, as it is just yep. you know, international rugby, obviously. Is, is that giving you a closer look this time around of, of where everybody is? Yes. Yeah, I think, and what you said at the start there is super important. You know, I think you can't be too fit. You know, you can't be too ready <laughs> physically. Physical readiness and also readiness for the brutality of, a, of seven matches in a row. Um, that that's you need to be prepared for that, and <clears throat> I think we've we've taken a slightly different approach this year in in putting a lot of responsibility on the player to take charge of his own preparation because there's things that players need to do outside of you know what the def, the regular weekly preparation is for Super Rugby because they've got to go out there and still you know prepare to win. So guys need individual um, specific preparation and it's all it's different for all players and we've set those priorities out along with them over the two camps. So the two camps have been mainly about that physical readiness and what's required and wherever possible we're getting in there helping the state teams wherever we can in preparing individual players and giving them that I suppose that little bank of knowledge so they can keep doing that mm-hmm. keep that preparation whether it's in scrum strength work uh, jumping work everything related around footy you know whether it's um, you know like I said jumping sprinting kicking flexibility for scrums you know what I mean all that type yeah. of stuff uh, absolutely essential for us to get every player knowing exactly what they need to be um, doing so that when they get to us we've got a really good base to spring from Awesome. And and, and would you, are you guys also doing what you're like monitoring a lot of their sort of stats in terms of, I don't know, I don't even know what that would be. Um, 
you know, in terms of their different sort of fitness levels, whether that's, I don't know, whether it's VO2 or bleed yeah. tests or whatever it might be? Yeah, look, we've got all of that stuff, mate. But, you know, yeah. and and we need to, we definitely need to lift our standards, like as the season goes on, build our standards, right? Mm. Not, um, and, and that's really important too. You don't need to be uh, that exact fitness at the start of the season. You know, you need to try, it's, it's a real challenge trying to get to the point where we've got the majority of guys, you won't get every other majority of guys right in the position where they can kick on to another level at that time of the year. Mm. And um, and also build throughout the tournament too. Let's not get ready for the tournament and just hang on. You know, it's about building throughout the tournament and, and looking to make improvements so we can build momentum throughout the year. And we so, need a bit of look, that, I reckon. You know, a bit of momentum. Yeah, definitely. And and look, you, you talked about the, um, the balancing loads and those sorts of things. I mean, the Kiwis have got a pretty well talked about um, sort of resting program. How are you guys approaching that this year? Because it sounds like it's maybe a little bit different. Mate, I'm not sure what they're doing. They've got different sort of formulas. <clears throat> Nothing that they work on, but for us, yeah. uh, we've designated some players um, for two weeks and some players one week, um, depending on what they've done um, throughout probably the last season or two and or what, what they're sort of you know, what their breaks have been, if they've been injured, etc. Do they need more games? It's not as much rest. And I think that's, that's really important. It's more about there's maybe a game off um, to, to help with that peaking later on, but more about getting some solid prep work with things that they couldn't do if they were preparing for a match because they'd probably get overloaded or you know, they wouldn't be able to put that little bit of extra in the tank. And And it's all about just trying to get a little bit extra because every uh, every session counts. You know what I mean? It's like every vote counts in an election. You know, every every uh, session, every time you put your you know um, your nose to the wheel, right? That you're getting that little bit more insight, getting a little bit better prep, feeling a little bit better, um, building that belief in yourself that you'll be ready for the tournament. Michael, um, just slight slight pivot to, to yourself personally. Um, I know, yeah, it's obviously a big year and, and coaching is a pretty demanding job. Did over, over summer, I mean, did you get a chance to get away from it all? Is that something that, that you find helpful to, you know, go and sit on a beach somewhere or, or is it sort of um, something that's 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 um, kind of always always in, in your life and, um, you know, uh, you don't take many breaks? Mm, I'm not really that keen on getting a lot of breaks, you know, and they... I've got good balance in my life as it is. Like I've got, like I'm very obsessed with getting the team exactly in the right spot, and that takes a lot of time. But I've also got a lot of other things that I love doing, and I love doing that. You know, I don't find it ever a chore or a yeah. I don't feel like I need a break <laughs> in, in that regard. You know, yes, you're always taking small breaks away because you're doing other things, whether it's stuff with my family or my own, you know, study or. Doing whatever we might do, training, whatever it is, I've always had that sort of thing going on. So I'm not, I don't want to get away from it. <laughs> you know, I, I want to, I want to be in it. Like obviously, last year needed to uh, have a really solid review for myself personally, and um, you know, almost uh, get had that had make I had to make some tough decisions in there, but all well thought out with a view to exactly what I needed this year, and I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not one of those guys. I feel like every day I get good balance. So, you know, I can be um, both um, laughing and joking one minute and then 
bit of a cranky person we are, but there's the, the next minute, you know what I mean, in order to get what, what we need to get, but also to have balance about how you're feeling too. You can't can't take everything too seriously, yet at the same time, you've got to pay attention to all the details. Yeah, so so what's what's the nine to five look like for you, you know, over the last month or so? I mean, obviously, you're not there you know on, on having the squad at, at your disposal and 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 you mentioned now obviously in 2015 you were coaching the tars and obviously you had a lot on your plate i mean is it is it video work are you watching the six nations are you watching you know um all of the super games is it is it other european club footy is it is it that or is it more you know talking to players directly and being more around those teams yeah a bit of both i think i'm not a huge um video watcher of the opposition i like that i'll leave the other coaches do that stuff i like we, we spend a day, <clears throat> one whole day each week, just the coaches together watching the games, the Australian games, together. So we're aligning ourselves on, yes, this is what we're looking for, no, this isn't. So when we do get the opportunity to give feedback to players or we'll get into that feedback loop, we're giving them stuff that we're all on board with. We all understand exactly, yep, this is the thing. There's only a few things we're really looking at now in during Super Rugby because... They're getting plenty of their teams already. So there'd just be some specific things that we're really honing in on that might be the next step in our own game. Um, the other things that are going on is, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of individual get-togethers with guys and, you know, building the relationships, building the connection. Um, we've had two camps already, so it's just the prep for those is, is pretty big. And then also I've travelled away, had a look at some games live, looked at... You know, talk to some players you know, in Europe as well, some who haven't decided to come back who might be interested, who we might be interested in bringing back so we can have as much depth as possible you know, to choose the 31-man squad from. So there's plenty going on. There's, there's never a dull moment. Um, and, uh, you know, we've also at the same time been doing a lot of development work on our game. I think... Uh, there's some things that we'll we'll look at in our game this year that'll be a bit, bit different, and uh, I've, we've sort of run that through some different people uh, or different groups of people, not all rugby, uh, different types, different heads, uh, just to get opinions. And we've come up to some, I think, what I think is some really good evolutions or changes in the game. We've you know tried those out. We've got a couple of schools, our Colts teams. You know, had a few training sessions with them just to see what works, what doesn't, how do we coach it. Just trying to do as much as we can in advance to, to be ready, I suppose, to be ready to do our absolute best as a coaching team. Wow, so that, that's actually really interesting. So with those Colts teams, you've you've essentially what the, I assume it's it's in Sydney Club Footy that, that it's almost like a a bit of a dry run, a bit of a test run. With with some you know obviously lower level players just to, to see how those tactics work in, in in almost like a game simulation kind of environment. Yeah, a little bit. We just you know have the things we've changed or prepared to change in our attack against the things that we've prepared to change in our defence, and um, you know just have a look at, and also what it's like to coach it. What are the questions that will come up? What are the things? Because you know, you've got to remember players when we get them, they're coming from all different systems of play. So what are the things, when we look at all those, and that's another thing that the Super Rugby team's been unreal with this year, that they've all welcomed me in and explained to me everything about both their attack and defence, uh, calls, 
um, what the, the players all do individually. So we can try and line that up against our own principles in those areas, see really clearly what's different, and then be very specific when players come in. So we might talk with guys who come in from the Rebels about different things we might come talk to guys and come in from the Brumbies about because they're the defensive systems, you know what I mean? So that we can... Communication is so important over this year. You know, you've got to have it really clear, really concise, so that we can move on and get into the training and the game simulation as quickly as possible because the more times they're finding themselves in the decision-making game mode at training, the better, the more ready they're going to be for the match day. Yeah, and look, thanks so much for your time. I might finish on, on one more question. I think... You know, I think from from we've certainly seen a bit of a lift in the standard of Australian Super Rugby teams this year. Certainly, all four teams look to be hitting their straps. You know, probably at slightly different speeds, but you know, I think the standard of, of play from our position, I think, seems better. I mean, do, do, does your opinion mirror that? Have you seen? Do you think a step up in this in the quality of of our Australian teams in Super Rugby this year? Well, mate, what would I would say to you? What would you? Uh, how would you describe? Our teams have done this. If you could, you know, I've got a word in my head that would describe our teams this year as being having more of, and that would be competitive. Right? They're more competitive in not just the games, that should go with our playing, more, more situations, more defensive situations, they're able to shut down, more competitive uh, the tackle contest, at the kick contest. More competitive at the contest. Now, there's a lot to build on, obviously, but I, and that's more competitive in particular in, in the physical contest as well, which has been good. Um, we need to keep building on our work off the ball. You know, we want to get some luck. We need to work hard to earn luck. You know, so when there's kicks made, we need five guys chasing them, not three. Then we'll get a lucky bounce. So we need to build those things. I think we've been a lot more competitive um, around a lot of things in the game, and that's really a positive sign. And should give players good belief to keep moving on with that and, and keep building on that, not um, building momentum with that. You know, because not not when something doesn't go right and we have a bad day, it's not a catastrophe. So I can keep building on the things instead of having these peaks and troughs mentality maybe we've had over the past few years. Build, build, believe in what you're doing and keep building. I think that's been happening in the games and we're seeing a much closer conference. I think we're seeing that already and and there's some great matches coming up um, as well. Reds and Rebels this week should be, (laughs) it should be very beauty. Um, And uh, so they're, the contests that are occurring both inside of our um, conference and outside of our conference are much better competitions, I think. And, and last one, can you give us a name of a player, an uncapped player, someone left field who's caught your eye or one, one or two who, 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 who uh, yeah, you've noticed doing well so far? Well, um, let me have to think about a few guys who, who aren't, haven't been on the radar, so that or because there's younger guys around who have been on the radar, right? So we were talking about Maddox, um, but Tyre, even though he got injured, he showed it up in that first game. So you don't want to get into that Rob Valentini, who's been he's there, they've been there and thereabouts on the radar. De- Dempsey, you know, he's played games. They're, they're a few guys who 
I just think, and I may not even be referring to Australian selection, just guys that I think have really come on this year. I think uh, young Hawkins from Queensland, he's got a lot to a long way, a lot to build on, but he's got. I don't know, he just got a good look for the game. I think that he, him and, and the other young front rower, well, there were two front rowers there, the, uh, um, the two loose heads who have been, you know, uh, playing, have done really good jobs. The young guys there, the new players there. And um, and uh, I think also then, uh, if I look at the Rebels, um, there's a few uh, nice Rani. I've been, I've liked a lot of what he's brought to the game. Uh, there's, there's a stack of blokes, you know, even Brad Wilkin, who's gone down there from the Tars. Like, you know, gone to that guys that haven't been on the radar. They've been lifting performances. What, is, what does that do? It creates, starts to create competition inside of our teams. And, you know, even this uh, concept of sometimes having our um, senior players sit out games and have those loading weeks that we were talking about before, that's a huge opportunity for us to build trust with our, our players. So younger guys are getting opportunities and they're getting stuck into it, you know, they're, and they're, they're taking it. And there's going to be more of those over the Super Rugby season. I'm going to be really looking forward to see those players because even though um, some of them might challenge for selection and some may not, but what they do is they push the standard of everyone better and make it more competitive and that, that, that's only going to help us in the long yeah, no, it's, it's been great to see those young guys um, come through. Check them. Actually, that point you were making earlier, just with Hugh, about the competitiveness, the thing I've noticed is in a couple of the teams, it's kind of in the micro. It's like um, it's that second effort after they've made the contact, either an attack or defence, and they're kind of driving on. And, you know, whether it's wrestling the guy back in a tackle or just trying to make those extra few yards, there just seems to be that extra edge in a few of the teams this year. Is, is that kind of what you're referring to as well as in, in the, yeah, the, re, in the yeah. macro and of the game? Mate, even little things like, uh, you know, bloke gets taken out, you know, someone, do, someone takes umbrage with it, you know? <clears throat> it doesn't, mm. just, doesn't just happen. Or um, if, you get, if you get on top of someone, you know, I've definitely noticed in the derby, you know, someone gets on top of someone, he lets him know about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he gives him a bit of a nudge and lets him know about it. And that's good fun. Yeah. That's... that's that's an enjoyable part of footy, but it helps build a bit of belief, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I just Maybe. think that there's, there's a lot of that little stuff going on and that's going to help us. But, like, there's still a lot of big building blocks that we need um, to prepare on top of that. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm really positive with what I've seen so far, for sure. Awesome, mate. Well, that's, that's, I think that's the last call for the podcast with you tonight. Um, look, we really appreciate you um, giving us this time as you're just getting ready to fly out. It's been great to have a chat. Uh, good luck with the, the journey, and, and hopefully we'll catch up with you uh, before the, the big dance. Mate, for sure. Listen, I'll, uh, you know, I don't get out and about too much in the scene, in the scene but I've had a good look at what you guys do on on the site there, and it's, it's bloody awesome, you know what I mean? There's people who love footy, love rugby, they're in a web. And um, you're facilitating that conversation, and they're the people that you know we want to. Um, I'm not. I'm not just hammering it up because I'm not. Yeah. They're the people we want to play for. They're the people that <clears throat> we want to get behind us, and 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 that we want to represent. Not just at the World Cup, but beforehand. I think it's great that you guys create that form for them to get into it. Great, mate. Well, thanks for that, and um, yeah, good luck with that, all the prep, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing how we do.
No worries, lads. Thanks for me. Thanks, mate. Well, thanks very much to Michael Checker joining us there and making that time and clearly an avid reader of Green and Gold Rugby, as everybody should be. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but joining us, he wasn't able to listen in on the call, so we're going to dissect it or just bounce a few ideas around about it. Reg, mate. Yeah, look. Welcome I, I, back. Thank you very much. I obviously wasn't living in the appropriate city to talk to the Wallaby coach. I'm, a, I'm ashamed to miss it, but I'm sure. What, did he actually get to speak about any Wallabies or was it all about a rehash of 2014 Waratah season? <laughs> we, we restrained ourselves, mate. Absolutely. Right. No, yeah, well, it was, it was interesting. I mean, he, we spoke mostly about the round 13 game against the Highlanders. Actually. <laughs> it was a 20-minute period. <laughs> no, um yeah, well, I mean, it, it, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, I think... Tell us about it, yeah. Well, often you sort of fall... I mean, look, he's an experienced media performer, um, but I, th- I felt like we sort of broke down and got, got to some got to some interesting interesting things. And the most interesting for me was the fact that they've been testing game plan ideas with Colts teams um, and in in sort of oh. simulation and training sessions, um, which is which is quite fascinating, I, I think, just sort of getting a bit of a a live simulation of, of how their attack and defensive patterns are, uh, are going to go. And I mean, that's I didn't I didn't know they did that, but um, what a, what a thrill for those Colts players as well to to sort of be guinea pigs in a Wallaby sort of training drill. So you're yeah. saying like they get a Colts team to act as whales, for example? Is that what you're saying? Well, no. I think from from my take, and we didn't probably interrogate it to the level we should, yeah. but the 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 um that the one team essentially is the, what the Wallabies' defensive system wants to look like. Ah, and the right. Team is the attacking system, and, and seeing they how test it, it fits together. Mm. Interesting. But I, thought, but I thought what was interesting there was from a coach's perspective, and I guess you'll get this, Reg, is how do you communicate it to them? Yes. Right? So, yes. You know, so because you, 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 they're only going to have so much time to do that when they're in camp. So yep. how do you cut to the chase and say, I oh, don't know, no, you guys obviously haven't got what I'm trying to get you to do. So what do I need to do to get you to the point where you're understanding what I'm trying to achieve? Um, I thought I thought that was really interesting, actually. That's and, fascinating. And then just talking about, I guess, carrying on that theory, that theme, they were talking about, he was talking about the prep and how much cooperation they've got with these super teams this year. Yep. And he was saying to the point where they've all those teams have shared what their attack and defence plans are. And so what they're doing is they're kind of going in with key players and saying, hey, look, you know, you've been, you know, this is how you guys have been doing your defence this year. This is what you're probably going to have to do differently within our plan. Um, so they can be thinking that and it's not like a, yeah. I mean, I guess they're trying to shortcut as much as possible the learning sort of structures or the learning path, pathways. So you're not spending two weeks, someone getting their head around what you're trying to do, but they can kind of get there and hit the ground running was kind of what I took from that. Uh, which is interesting, right? So that's, it's not just having, fascinating. It's not just having the right plan. It's doing huh. work to make sure that the, t- the players actually understand it and can do something with it. Um, and then obviously, yeah, and then also the whole, all the fitness stuff and all the loading and everything they're doing there, it sounds like they're kind of leaving nothing to, to chance there, which yep. I know is something that's kind of driven us nuts <laughs> in the past. Yeah, and it's hard and, and it's hard to know, you know, everyone's always optimistic at this time of the year. It's, it's the best time of the year to be a Wallabies fan because, you know, the sky's the, the limit with this stuff and everyone seems to be happy and harmonious. Um, mm. But I, I think the thing is that, 
that um, and you know I think Michael Checkers realized the quality of plays probably in Super Rugby's increased. Interesting shout out to to a few new players there: Harry Hawkins, um, yeah. Brad Wilkin, and um, you know I think I think it shines through that he is a fan of Izzy Nasarani, and I think that yep. that's mm-hmm. going to be reflected in selections. And um, yeah, Reg, as much as um, as much as I would have liked a dissection of the Tars, we never really got there. We just spent on the Reds and Rebels, um, and uh, which is yes. But um, Harry Hawkins is certainly a Michael Checker style of player. There's no doubt that sort of. Um, and I think the Queensland team at the moment, it seems like Checker's got a bit of love for them because I think there are there are sort of I think there are some similarities between Brad Thorne and Michael Checker in yeah. certainly in terms of the way they played the game um, and probably the things they look for when they coach the game. So um, yeah, look, I, I thought it, I thought it was interesting chat and hope. Um, yeah, obviously he was in the airport lounge. So apologies for the for the audio quality there. I think he was sort of tucked in the corner of the lounge, trying not to, uh, yeah, tr- trying not to be too loud. So it, it might not have not come through fantastic. Yeah. He definitely uh, had airport lounge voice on. <laughs> <laughs> um, which yeah, which if you ever had it. And I mean, well, and the other thing is, I'm surprised. I mean, I know with the AAU budget situation, I think I, he said he's they're flying. He's flying China Southern to get to London, so he's got to go <laughs> via, I think Chengdu or something, and then he's got to connect through Shanghai. Um, sort of a very economy stuff, but you know, I suppose it's the things you do as a Wallaby coach. Yeah. Pick up the new new branch of Wallaby merchandise on the way back through one of those <laughs> yeah. Chinese um, sweatshops. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that was the other interesting thing was he's actually, I know uh, you helped set this up, Reg, and I know that you were saying, oh, he's off to Japan. He's actually off to Europe first. Oh, right. Okay. And, and, he, and he's off to have a meeting with a couple of wallabies. Um, ah. And to, and, and that was the thing. I was like, he he didn't tell us the names. But yeah, like, which oh, ones? Scotty Farty? Please. I was pretty, I was pretty interested in that because I'm, I actually, and Reg, your brain works better than like this than mine does, but who would that be um, that's over there right now? Because he's like, oh, because we've had two camps so far and these guys have missed those two camps and we basically need to get them caught up to it. I thought that was pretty... Who yeah. Matt, Matt Tamu is an obvious one. I think Ta- yeah. Tatafu is another Tatafu's one. Tatafu's back over there. What if Will Skelton, he had a man of the match performance on the weekend. He scored two tries um, in a win over Harlequins. He might be one. It obviously doesn't fit into the Guido clause, but I think all bets are off at the moment. If they want a player, they'll pick him. Yeah. Well, he said he said a couple. Yeah. So it, it might just be the two Leicester boys, yeah. But uh, that was, I thought that was interesting. But anyway, look, yeah, so it was a, yeah, it was a really interesting chat. I think he opened up quite a lot for us. And he, he I know you're laughing, Reg, but he actually did compliment Green and God Rugby at the end of it. Um, so, uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. He's well, yeah, yeah. He, he's well briefed by the media he, team. He, yeah, he, look, he, 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 he indeed. Don't think he went too deep into the comments section, but probably <laughs> for, for the best for everyone there. <laughs> <laughs> broken uh, computer screen alright look okay so let's get stuck into the rest of this rambling uh, podcast I think we weren't going to do anything too structured um, yep. there, there's, a, there's a few issues fighting around but look I thought we could shoot it from the hip a little bit just talking about uh, kind of how we think you know where are the teams are ta- where the teams are travelling at, at the moment and look I think the best place to start there is we've got you on the podcast Reg um, you're, 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 you're in a bit of a glow um, after, you know, uh, uh, last weekend. Mate, how are the Reds travelling? How are you feeling about them? Well, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, I, I think that performance of the weekend was the best performance by the Reds I've seen for many years. I mean, we've seen glimpses of quality, in fact, over the last few years, every now and again you get it, and even this year 
Um, we've seen bits of it, and I thought we were almost declining with you know decent comeback because of the Sunwolves last week. But that was a you know a really impressive eighty minute performance. Um, you know I don't think the Brumbies were at their best, but um, you know I was thrilled with that performance. I think. You know, we're talking you know, shooting from the hip, and maybe if there is a theme, I mean, the, the surprise packets here—the Reds attack and the um, and the Waratah defence—you could almost pair. You know, in both those performances were quite key. But I, you know, I was thrilled with the Reds. You know, they held out the Brumbies early on with that sort of 17 phase from the start. But you know, I guess if you're looking for those areas where they're different, we knew they had the guts and they had the physicality and all that sort of stuff. The 80-minute performance was new, but an exceptional kicking game. You know, Bryce Hegarty really, that was his best game in the Reds. He's only had three or four, but his kicking game was superb. You know, he chimed with someone like Samu Karevi. The, the, the development of his, his game from a skill set perspective is is superb. You know, no longer is he just the, the crash ball, um, but he's, you know, he's setting up his, of his outside men. We saw that in, you know, a couple of tries on the weekend. His speed was, he was faster than I thought he was, but a couple of booming kicks there and then even Ruan Smith putting it in. But, you know, it's like clearly, uh, clearly Dave Older, uh, Sir Dave, I think it is, um, mm-hmm. is having an impact because we're seeing a few torpedoes too. Bryce Hegarty unleashed a couple and Hamish Stewart maybe one as well. So the kicking game I thought was exceptional. But then just that counter-attack or that, that from broken play and I think three of those Reds tries were from Brumby's turnovers and, and sort of quick... Um, Quick, uh, 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 I guess, analysis of the op- opportunity and, and taking full advantage of it. You know, the the great one was I think it was Peter Samu dropped the ball, or and and or someone dropped it, and Brandon Payne, so the reserve hooker, could have just trucked it up, but he sort of ran a bit sideways and be- threw a beautiful over the top pass, and all of a sudden we're away um, for uh, another try at a pretty crucial one. So yeah, thrilled just to see those little elements coming to play. A little bit of Jimmy Mackay's influence, the attack coach, and a little bit of um, uh, of Dave Elder and that kicking I thought was fantastic to see. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and over the last couple of weeks, who's kind of taken your eye sort of player-wise? I mean, you talked about a couple of the established ones there, but... Yeah, well, I, look, the, the the one I really like, and I thought he would have started... He was my tip to start the season was Tate McDermott, the young halfback. Really mm-hmm. impressed with his debut um, game where he played in the last game of last season, must have been versus the Rebels. He's been great off the bench, um, was... Significant last week because of Sunnels when he came on the second half. And I thought he was fantastic this week. Still on a young guy. I think he was Australian 20s last year. So he's my a bit of a dark horse for the Wallaby World squad, World Cup squad from mine. I thought he was exceptional. Um, and, and you mentioned it, Harry Hawkins. I mean, uh, again, you know, he's a big lanky fellow. He looks a little bit like Rob Simmons, which I think puts a few people off. But he's come up with some huge plays this last couple of weeks. Two last week, which is the Sunwolves, where he... Um, he got a charge down, and then he secured a, a vital kickoff. Um, and then this week, when he shut down a Brumbies more um, in a line-out instantly, was was exceptional work for, again, another really young guy. So, yeah, it's great to see those young guys that, that Thorne has invested a lot of time and confidence in um, sort of repaying that favour, which is which is awesome. Yeah, and, and I just missed the, the first name they mentioned there, but have you, did you talk about Stuart in that piece there? Oh, no, Tate McDermott, yeah, your man, the guy, the guy with the haircut. Yeah, yeah, no, and I was just going to add Stewart in there, isn't it? I, I yeah, think, yeah. You know, he, he's got he's got huge raps. I think as a mm. kind of like a young player and a schoolboy and whatever else. And I've got to admit, I haven't quite seen it yep. yet. Um, and then I think it was was it the, the game Sun before Wars. last? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sun Wolves when he was playing at fullback, and suddenly yep. I went, oh zing! I suddenly get it. You, yeah. A guy who could really inject himself, showed some composure at the back. Whereas I think he just didn't have enough time or whatever it was at ten. 
suddenly, yeah. you know, having a bit more ability to choose and roam back there, it was like, oh, wow, suddenly there's a, you know, a quality player there. And like you say, Hegarty stepping up on the weekend, that might just solve a big problem that the Reds seem to have had a revolving door through the inside backs yep. there. Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a, a long-time Stuart fan, and so I'm a bit cautious about over over-talking him. Um, mm. But you're right, I think that moving him to fullback freed him up a little bit. He, he can learn a bit more from the game back then. He was a back rower at school, you know, sort of that early mid-teens, so he moved to fly half later in his school years. But, you know, he's still got a lot of playmaking to learn, and he can learn that from fullback. You don't want to be learning too much in Super Rugby, but that's a, a good aspect for him, and it helps when you've got someone like Hegarty um, performing how he is. So, yeah, yeah, he's a fine player. It's good to see him come on. Oh, and great. you know, Rebels game is a, is a really big one for them this week, isn't it? I mean, you feel like three three wins on the bounce, and and you really got something. You you've got, yeah. you know, that's the makings of a season. But if if you feel like if they drop it or or you know they they can't run the Rebels close, because I think most people would say that the Rebels are a superior side, um, then you know you wonder, oh well, if it's back to the drawing board, or oh you know the Brumbies, the Sunwolves folded, and the and the Brumbies game was a bit of a fluke. So yeah. you know, there's 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 a lot to play for this week. Not to mention the uh, the obvious, yeah, yeah, the um, return, return of Brad Wilkin and Sam Talakai. Yeah, it's it's massive. Exactly. So well, Talakai's really... got a, you know he's got a point to prove, and I absolutely you know, exactly we're watching right. him closely. But look, yeah, you're exactly right. Look, I mean. Uh, Getting two in the row was really important for us. and But you're right, the Brumbies weren't crash hot, but we took advantage of that. The Rebels are coming back from South Africa. They've had, um, you know, uh, they haven't got the results they wanted over there. Um, notably, they did send back, what, f- maybe four of their key players and Coleman and Nasarani and Genia and uh, I think Dane Hallett-Petty, although he might be injured, early. So, you know, they won't have the same fatigue that the um, the rest of the team will. But, it, again, it's a good opportunity for us, a home crowd, hopefully a big one. Um, and, you know, if they can play like they did last week, they're a, they're a good shot. And you're right, I, I can be flippant about it, but the the, the battle with Quaid in particular and, and, and his combination with Will will be epic to watch. It'll be fascinating. Well, let's stay with the Rebels. Um, have you have you watched any of this um, South African tour, Hugh? Yeah, I watched the Lions game. I didn't haven't seen the game against the Sharks, but um, I that Lions game was one of the more interesting interesting games um, I've seen in a long time. I mean, I think um, it's easy to say, well, the Rebels blew it because they were up what thirty three to five, but the um, the Lions played really well too. And you forget that they've made the three Rebels straight Super Rugby. The the Lions. <laughs> No, no, you said it's easy to say the Rebels blew it, and I just said, yeah, the Rebels blew it. But anyway, (laughs) that was easy. Did you? Well, (laughs) it was easy because it's true. Um, But the Lions, Lions have made three straight Super Rugby finals, and they're playing at home in altitude. So you know, it's it's always it's always going to be a bit of a tough go. And and you also remember in that first half, the Lions played appallingly, and and I think came good in the second half. And and um, obviously it was a close one that the Rebels should have closed out. I mean, they balls that last scrum up at very least, so they could have had a draw there. Um, but look, I, I think what we're seeing from them is a team that's still you know, getting that cohesion and finding that self-belief. And, and they've certainly got an ability to score tries and, and, and create attack. It's just that um, little bit of discipline problem, the 20, what, 21 to 1 penalty count or whatever it was. Mm. Um, and, and all of the 20 were probably fair penalties. Um, you could argue that the ref could have found a few more the other way, but uh doesn't preclude the fact that, uh, that the Rebels get, were giving them away. So, look, they're still, I think I, I wouldn't be panicking if I was them. I mean, a... a uh, South Africa is a tough trip, but but you know they could come back and have a good win this week and and be be right back on track. 
Mm. I mean, there was a couple of interesting things I thought happened in that match um, with the Rebels. And I mean, we, we as a group kind of shared a few comments in a, in, a, in a chat about it. I thought number one was, and we've said this a few times during this season, is just how clearly well coached the Rebels are. Um, it, it really comes across. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I, don't, I don't know why, but it just kind of really sticks out with, with, with this team. I think some of the things they're doing where you don't need even to be Will Guinea and Quade Cooper um, to look good when you're getting ball that's that quickly recycled and you're playing that fast into the and at the game line. And, and it's suddenly, but don't get me wrong, those two guys are doing a good job with it. Um, and so they, and well, they might, but the talent they've got. But, yep. you know, just the whole team playing to that. Um, and you just see the pressure it puts the defence under. It's just, it's that's just beautiful to see. And, and there's a whole bunch of things like that you see. Another element of the coaching, and this is interesting, I don't know if this is one of these things where I got suggested into it by the South African comms team, but as the um, when the Rebels started getting under pressure in the red zone, the South African comms team, the Lions said, basically predicted that the Rebels would give away a bunch of penalties cynically and even give away a yellow card. And I thought, oh, it's very biased of the South African commentary as usual. And then, lo and behold, the Rebels went and did it. Um, and, and, and it really did look like we were watching a classic Kiwi team mm. who was, I'm going to give away penalty upon penalty and even a yellow card rather than let you guys have a try. Mm. And, and I, I just thought that was very, again, in terms of, you know, level of coaching of that team. Um, it, I don't know, I just wondered, again, how, and something I'd love to have a chat with Dave Vessels about is, you know, how, how much they talk about those sort of situations. Um, but, you know, potentially that looked like a really well well-coached team, although I'm not sure that tactic quite paid off for them. And then the third thing that happened in that match, which I thought was fascinating, and I, you know, I wouldn't be the villain of this podcast if I didn't raise it, was the stock standard Quade Cooper blooper uh, that we had when um, he didn't touch down that long kick into the into the end zone. I mean, at the end of the day, they lost by three points, and he basically had a try. I don't know. I don't even say rob from him. He kind of let that happen. And it's one of those things you just go, wow, for all the fantastic stuff you get with Clay Cooper, he just reminds you what else you get um, at, at key points in the game. So it was a fascinating game from that perspective. And for them to go up against a really quality opposition, um, it's a real pity that one got, got thrown away at the end. Yeah, you're right. But even the Sharks' performance, you know, they, they were you know, effectively going to go into the halftime with the lead, um, if it wasn't for a sort of last-minute penalty to Robert DePruce. Um, so, that, you know, that's a really good performance. And missing those top five players, the starting 15 was still damn good. I mean, it's a sign of the depth that they've sort of built and recruited. Um, you know, it really fell away on the bench with all due respect to those players. But they, you know, you know that's where you could see the challenge there. And, and that was noticeable in that second half when they sort of started to fall away. But, you know, you talk about the coaching and, one of the stats, I'm sort of looking through a few stats, and one of the ones was just line-out receivers. And, you know, the Brumbies rely so much on Sam Carter and Rory Arnold. They're dominant. Far away, more line-out catches than anyone in the competition. You go to the Rebels, and there are literally half a dozen different receivers. And to me, that shows a good coach. Some, And I don't know if it's Vessels or whoever the forward coach is down there, but they're bearing things up 
you know, it's making it really hard for opposition teams to read. But Nasirani's top taking them. You know, uh, Luke Jones is taking them. Phillips taking them. Uh, Ross Hallett Paddy's taking them. So they're really mixing things up there. But the other one is the this, these young, you know, these unheralded players playing well. Matt Gibbon um, has been, you know, a, a fantastic find for them playing loose head. Um, at, you know, this season, we're probably concerned about their depth at front row, but he's come on and been really good, done some very strong scrummaging. And then Brad Wilkin, who you mentioned earlier, who's you know been around the traps, uh, you know Brisbane NRC, Aussie Sevens, not quite in the Queensland team, then down to the Waratahs on the back of the Sevens experience, and now he's getting has had so many injuries that it's just really hindered him. But he's an exceptional talent, and he's now getting to show his wares at um at the Rebels and and. Excuse me, looking damn good. So again, you know, signs of a good quality coaching uh, unit or, or setup they've got down there. Indeed. Okay. So, but and here's the thing: it's you know, Hugh, you were talking about how this time of the season is the best time of the season for a Wallaby supporter, because I, I, just picking up on the point that Reg was making there about suddenly you look across that Rebel team and you go, wow, it's a pretty complete looking team. But then you looked at the Waratahs on Saturday night, um, and I suddenly found myself going, because I remember all last season going, oh, my God. And we talked about it so many times on the podcast about how light that Waratahs pack was. Mm. Um, and, you know, in, in, in basically in all sense of the words, you know, in terms of not just in terms of weight or, or, or height, but just in terms of impact on the field, in terms of experience and all the rest of it. And suddenly there it was on Saturday night, out-muscling a Crusaders team. Um, and doing, having, you know, being rock solid on its own ball in the scrum, nicking lineouts, um, doing all, I mean, just, and, and then being rock solid in defense. Um, and you look across and you go, wow, suddenly, just by eye, they didn't look like they were being overshadowed by the opposition anymore, but also in the way they were playing. It was a pretty impressive hit out, wasn't it, Hugh? That it was. Um, and it was, um, oh, it, it was odd to see a, an Australian team execute tactically like that. And I feel like, and, 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 and it's something that we don't see as much as we used to. I certainly remember you and McKenzie doing it a lot, you know, when he was with the Reds, where you go out and see, you go, oh, this team's trying to do something different tonight. They're, you know, they're clearly trying to, you know, whether that's kick to the corners or play close to the ruck or do whatever it is that links Queensland teams used to do. It was, you know, you got to the 20-minute mark of that game and go, oh, this is clearly something that they're trying to execute, which is putting the ball in behind, making the Crusaders play out from their 22. And in those conditions, it was, it was, um, it was the perfect tactic. And, and the only frustrating thing is, and there's always something frustrating with the Waratahs, is why don't they do it more? You know, if, if the, this is a tactic that they should be really executing on, on most weeks, I'd suspect. And and again, it's the, oh, well, we've decided this week that we're going to kick to Israel Folau. Well, I think they tried it three times and they scored two tries. Um, so you kind of go, well, why don't you do it almost every play? It's it's such a um, high-yield move for us. And it has been for the Wallabies as it has been the Waratahs. And it still frustrates me that we don't actually do it more because even if a team knows it's coming, it's still almost impossible to defend against. Um, so uh, that that was an impressive part. But, but Matt, you're right, with that physicality and that defensive effort was was the key. And, and again, I think their, their defensive patterns, they weren't flying up out of the line. They were actually... I think they were being um, really methodical about about their line speed and and really quite measured, but also coming up 
right across the field. It wasn't a traditional sort of umbrella. Um, it, there, there was, there was sort of trying to accommodate that Crusaders' use of the width of the field, um, use of those tram track areas, and making sure that everyone right across the field was was ready to make the tackle. And 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 then they just stuck their tackles. It's a pretty simple game when you do that too. Um, yeah. You know, getting up and getting them behind the game line. So, I mean, and, and guys like Nick Phipps stood out in that regard, made a number of big tackles. Ned Hannigan was another one. Michael Hooper was just in his element. He was just tireless. It seemed like mm-hmm. he would Incredible. have made 40 tackles. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, and, 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 you know, obviously a guy like Carmichael Hunt coming in and making a big impact as well um, in, in defense. So, it, it and look, we acknowledge the Crusaders were off their game. I think that there's no secret in that. And and part of that was obviously the, the fortnight that they've had and part of that was the conditions and part of that was being put under pressure by, by the Waratahs team. And you can only play the 15 blokes that, that run onto the field, um, you know, against you. So um, I think every Tars fan will take that win and um, and be happy for it and hope we can back it up this week. But there's, there's moments when you play these New Zealand teams, isn't it, where you know that it's not quite their night. And obviously, as you say, Crusaders had a had a, um, you know a lot to cope with, and and it wasn't their night. Yeah. But making the most of that opportunity is key. Now, I, I would say when the Reds played the Crusaders in round three, they were equally off their game that night, and that was purely just rugby performance. But there's drop ball, and they, other than a, a ten minute sort of moments where they they scored a couple of tries. Um, but we weren't able to put them away, whereas the Tars at their clinical best were able to. And I think that's where the experience of guys like Hunt, great purchase coming off the bench there, but also Adam Ashley Cooper, who probably hasn't had the start of the season, you know, some would hope. But I thought, you know, their experience and maturity really helps in those situations. And that's that's why they're, you know, really good buys for this team. They uh, In these sorts of moments, these big matches, that's where those key players are, are so important. No, I, I completely agree. And, and actually, I I, um, I think I sent out a tweet a few weeks ago saying, when was the last time you saw Kurtley Beal carve? Yeah. And and I think everyone scratched their head and went, yeah, I can't remember that. And then, well, last Saturday night was that night. Um, like there was a couple of times he didn't quite finish off with a try or a try or a set up pass, but there was at least two, maybe three occasions where suddenly he was running through traffic again and just you know making shit happen, which we just hadn't seen for for quite a while. You had. Um, uh, you, 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 what's his name? At um, uh, Foley at ten, you know, with the, with the chip and the chase that he, you know, he just spilt the ball over the line. Um, but you know, there's a whole bunch of things coming together. Izzy taking the ball in the air, you know, just a bunch of things starting to click. But again, I go back to that forward performance because there was a bunch of people in there. You know, Dempsey's running with the ball was just fantastic. The number of times he struggled through three, four, you know, Crusaders defenders and still making yards. Um, you know, suddenly Hannigan is is mm. like look, is looking like an impact. He's he's bolted this season, hasn't he? He's yep. gone. Suddenly, he's gone from this skinny, lanky guy who looks a bit out of place in Super Rugby to I know actually he's just got a you know he's just got enough size about him. Um, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of players in there, and, and what's his name? He scored the try. Jed Holloway. Jed Holloway suddenly looking like a. A real rampaging four. I mean, he's he's yeah. timed his he's, he's timed his run there pretty well, actually. Um, to you know, to pull it all together. So anyway, as as a group, I just thought suddenly you went, oh, okay, these guys could be a handful. And you know, the ball in wet conditions isn't exactly something the Crusaders aren't used to. Um, anyway, so that was them, which leaves us. So 
we were talking about the um, Rebels being at altitude. Um, it looked like the looked like the Brumbies were at altitude on the weekend. Um, they were just shagged from about half time on. I mean, Reg, I mean, were you, the, were you there? Were you at the game? Yeah, yeah, I was, mate. The conditions were horrendous. It was it was hot as buggery and and humid as hell. And and and, and this is where you can see the benefit of Thorne's sort of physicality and his his, his fitness session off season because you know he challenged his boys to to raise the tempo and spin it wide, and that's what they did. And mate, some of those Brumbies were out on their feet. I mean, Tommy Cusack, who gives so much, was chasing as hard as he could but I saw guys stop to walk on chases they just couldn't they just couldn't put in any out longer but they were really average I, I haven't seen a Brumby performance like that for a little while it was very un-Brumby-esque so it's uh it's an interesting competition considering we're raving about them when they put 50 on the Chiefs a few weeks ago but they uh they're not yeah. quite doing it and even you know last week's performance but yeah it's interesting they were they were not good last week yeah, but it was a, it was a funny game, wasn't it? Because they got to I think what was it seven five or, or yeah, or, uh, you know, and and that was the halftime score if if my memory is is correct. Um, and, and then the Reds just kicked yeah. kicked away and had a couple of tries on the bounce, back and one of them tries, was, yep. one was from a turnover, and and yep. um, the other was was a sort of breakout oh, try. That, yep. I think it was a kick return or something, and 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 all of a sudden you look up and it was twenty two five. Um. And the Brum- and the Brumbies were all of a sudden, you know, almost out of the game, and and it, uh, that loose pass from Sorovi that sort of yeah. gave a bit of a soft try, and you thought, oh, okay, the the comeback could be on here. They had a bit of bit of had their tails up, but um, then obviously the, the the Reds iced it with a with a late try. I think that was Bryce Hegarty's try, and 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 that that was that was all she wrote, and and the Reds just had that ability to to absorb the Brumbies' pressure, but then to 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 go the length and score, and that was where the Brumbies sort of you felt like they were putting so much into that attack that when they weren't yielding the results it was almost quick for the rubber band to snap and and the reds come back the other way and 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 um and score and and it's yeah it's, they're up and down aren't they the brumbies because they were good against yeah. the tars last yeah, exactly. week and that's traditionally a team they do get up for but um well when you want to make it a slog on a forwards game like that then i think that suits them but um obviously the 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 reds weren't playing into that the other thing is we managed to nullify whether we nullified or they just failed the lineout, which is such a key part of that Brumbies game. You know they dominate that. Rory Arnold going off after I don't know twenty minutes doesn't help, and he's also you know fantastic at um, sort of diffusing the mall, isn't he? But after that, I mean the Brumbies lineout was pretty shocking. If it wasn't um, you know you know Isaac Rodder or, or even Luke Antui, uh, Salakai Loto, sorry, stealing ball, it was just crooked throws and or rolling malls. You know, defended and pushed over touch. It was some um, some great play by the Reds, but also just some very average play by the Brumbies. Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of where we stand now with the yep. Aussie teams. But um, we, well, we, let's talk about the other Aussie team in the in the Aussie Conference, uh, the Sunwolves. Um, actually, currently bottom of the pile, but they've frightened the crap out of um, plenty of teams and, and got yep. a notable ki- Kiwi scalp. Uh, is through that they're cut. Um, I believe they're um, obviously finishing out this season and then 2020. Are they, I think, and then that's it? Is that that's the end of the Sunwolves? Yeah, correct. So in, in, what, in this format, at least. Yeah. So, look, it's it's really interesting. I think there's there's two ways. You know, there's, there's sort of two camps in this. I, my sense is that probably the louder camp has been the camp that's sort of saying, 
bloody idiots. Why do we bother investing in teams, you know, like the Western Force or like the Sunwolves to enhance the game uh, only to yank them a few years later, especially when they're just starting to seem to look like they're progressing. Um, the other side of things, which is to say that it's not exactly like Super Rugby is a hot prospect yep. right now and it's a little bit nuts and it is too big and it's too unwieldy, which I think we've all agreed. So someone's got to get cut. Um, and, um, you know, Japan would probably be the next one on the list. Uh, which way Which way do you fall on this one, Rich? Oh, mate, look, I, I, I agree that they had to be cut. It's a shame and... and... Brendan Cannon did a really great piece for Fox or whatever newspaper he wrote in, and I think he just captured it significantly. It just it just shows how poorly Sands are, you know, the decisions to expand and expand and expand without any real thought process um, or real strategy behind it is coming back to bite them on the bum now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's ridiculous that that we are cutting this team, and I, and I ostensibly agree with it. But we are cutting this team the year of the Japanese World Cup, the Tokyo World Cup. Um, mm. You know, the opportunities, you know, World Rugby must be pulling their hair out, I reckon, at Sansa and their decision-making process here. There's a fair bit behind it. Japan Rugby Union pulling money out of it. Apparently, South African Rugby were against the, the Sunwolves. They don't rate. And the broadcasters were saying, well, to South Africa Rugby, well, you will have to, you know, pay for any money lost on the broadcast. And South Africa Rugby put that back on New Zealand and Australia. So that's why New Zealand and Australia sort of flipped on the whole deal. But, um, you know, the Sunwolves will be a joke next year. Who's going to stay around and be contracted for a year where that team's got no future? Um, you know, so, look, probably the right decision done the wrong way, you know? Yeah, and um, and you know, I'm still not convinced about the structure next year. I know we're back to what is it, fourteen? What, what you know, six home games, maybe seven if you every second year. That doesn't fill with a great deal of hope for you know the sustainability of our uh, our rugby teams in Australia either. That you know, it's hard to build a a supporter base um, with six home games, particularly when yeah. there'll be three weeks when you're crossing South Africa or Argentina and. And whatnot. So yeah, there's lots of implications, and it, like you said, Super Rugby's broken. You know, I don't think we've quite fixed it. It was still a fair way to go. Yeah. So, do you, can you channel Nick Wazalev and be outraged about this? <laughs> um, oh, I think there's a few people that are, that are. I mean, outrage. Outrage probably not not the right word, but I mean, the Sunwolves certainly were staying look to be turning it around on the field. Even if you know, I'd, I'd still say they're a team of sort of bits and pieces mercenaries. Yeah. Um, but um, look, I think I'm with Reg here. I think it's. I think two things can be true: that Sanzar have kind of, um, not to use blue language, that they've kind of screwed it, um, and the Sunwolves probably don't deserve to be in the competition, or or, or certainly the competition is probably better without the Sunwolves. Yeah. Um, and I think both of those things are true. I think you Reg nailed it with the planning. And again, this was just sort of came out of the blue, this decision. It's okay, well, seems like the Sunwolves are going to get cut. Yep, we're cutting them. And it was sort of made in the course of a week. And obviously things were behind the scenes, obviously taking longer. But it just – and then we've sort of seemed to have locked in this Super 14 structure for, for the next broadcast deal which starts in 2022 or something like that. But, you know, it all seems to just be done by Thought Bubble. Or certainly that's the impression I get as a member of the rugby public. There's no consultation. There's no um, options papers. There's no 
you know, um, different different uh, opinions aired publicly or any sense of negotiations or, or consideration, um, which which is very interesting. And, and, you know, they've shown that they can't be trusted to make the right decisions for the competition. Brendan Cannon had it dead right, that the genesis of this all was back in 2015. Um, and, you know, not only has that led to the force going under, but those decisions have led to the Sunwolves and the Jaguars coming in. That's led to this bizarre conference structure, which had, you know, two pools of four and two pools of five. And then, you know, one pool plays another, you know, pool teams not playing other teams for, for years at a time. And um, the Kings and the Cheetahs then going up north. And, you know, it, it's just it's just a long, sorry saga. And this is just another chapter. And, and unfortunately... You're right, Reg. It just doesn't look like it's the last chapter either. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Yeah, I don't have any hope that it's the last chapter. Yeah. Well, I mean, but if we were hoping that the era of the people making PowerPoint presentations that prove that just making more games of in a competition makes it better, if we if we're hoping that that was over, um, then comes along the what's the latest international. What's it called again? The new international competition that they're looking to put. Uh, World Rugby League. World League. Like yeah. yeah. I mean, if you if you really want to know how to basically kill the value of international rugby, you are well on the way. And I and don't get me wrong, there'll be some good games in there, and we've all seen how it's nice to see the you know like that Irish Test series we had. Yep. The beauty of that Irish Test series was that it was unusual. Yep. You know that you know we it's 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 the you know. It's the beauty of the strange, right? And that, that keeps things interesting. And suddenly it's like, oh, no, here we go. We're going to do a round robin every year um, and, in, and just inject more international rugby. Um, in, in actually, if, sorry, it was every other year and yeah, just make it. So. And, 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 so, and, and the thing that you definitely do there is you just devalue the, the, the specialness of the World Cup. So I don't know. I just... Yeah, I... Yeah, that, that that might be one we have to have a discussion on another day. I'm not as anti that World League, and I think it yeah, might have to be for the World Cup. But that's I get what you're saying. There seems to be a lot going mm. on with World Rugby at the moment, and without any real clear, like even the World League seems like one of those ones that comes from nowhere because there's a bucket load of money behind it. Like, mm. was this part of the strategy a year ago? You know, mm. or, or was it just because all of a sudden there's a there's a, someone handing out a butt of cash that it's it's part of it? So anyway, yeah. I, but let's it'd be good to chat about that another time. Maybe when we get some more detail but um yeah it's it's there's it's it's a concern for sure don't let detail get in the way mate um <laughs> okay well look and i'll tell you what though the one thing about the it's uh, just going back to the moon dogs um was um that guy gunter uh, ben gunter, the, back, yeah, yeah. the back rower who i'm like yeah. oh, all right this, this must be some some kiwi he looks like he's pretty good and found out that he's from gunnada or something yeah yeah like, he went to school oh. in brisbane up here yeah how the hell did he slip through the net anyway? So well, it, it, the, the story is he actually went the BBC played for BBC. You know, Will Genier and James Horwell's uh, team. Um, they went off and played. I think in that schools that what's that Sanix International Schools competition or something one year, which was in Japan. He was scouted there and effectively um, scouted straight out of school. So we oh. never really got much of a say. But he's a huge man and quite the athlete. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, okay. Right. Well, I think was there anything else we wanted to cover up tonight, lads, before we kind of wrap up? Uh, no, I mean, look, that global rugby 
thing started happening last week. The, on, on Global Earth. Rapid Rugby. Rapid Rugby. I haven't watched it. I've recorded it. I haven't watched it yet. I can't. I, I, look, you know, and to be honest, it's a, it was a throwing together World 15 side to give the guys more game time. I'm, uh, yeah, I might flick it on at some time as much to watch Nick Cummins as anything else, but uh, they'll play their first game this proper game as part of the World Series this weekend against some Asian team. So, you know, good rugby for the Perth boys. I don't know whether it'll capture the imagination um, of the of the, the rest of the rugby uh, supporting world, I guess. We'll see. Got a good crowd good in Perth, though. So once again, 11,000. Yeah, yeah. few remaining West Australian listeners. Um, <laughs> once again, folks, and, hey, and, and, tonight, but, uh, yeah, and if there's any of them out there who want to write cover the, cover the force for us this year, the guys who did the coverage for us last year have unfortunately backed down this year. So if there's anyone out there who wants to cover the force for us, giving us the odd match review or preview, yeah, send us a night would be uh, would be keen to have you because um, you know yeah. it's important to cover all the whole game, but uh, we just don't have anyone to do it at the moment. Well, and, and as we know, you know, Michael Check is an avid fan of the site, you know, as yes. he said himself. And um, <laughs> also, course. hello to Check. I'm sure you're still listening to the podcast at this point in time. Thanks for coming on once again. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, look forward to catching you again soon, Michael. <laughs> right. Okay. I think that's a good way to end yep. it. Um, good to have you back on boys um for those who have been listening um yeah it's going to be it's a little bit more intermittent as we uh, continue on into the world cup um or towards it so we're keeping a bit of our powder dry but um thanks for joining tonight and uh we uh, look forward to seeing you again in a few weeks time eels off the top larkham herbert smashes through the middle gregan Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a beer.